Uh, we started the book of Jonah uh, last week, so if you got your Bibles open to the book of Jonah, and as I was preparing uh, for this Sunday, uh, this week, we, I've been trying, I know you can't tell, but I've been trying to eat better for about seven days, I'm doing good, uh, cutting out the soda, uh, and, and you know you've had too much soda when you cut it out and you've had a headache for a few days. It's not good. Uh, But so Shannon and I, we just moved uh, our family a few weeks ago. So there's a a list like this of things to do. Uh, And so I try to hang something, switch out something, paint something uh, once a day, and we'll we'll make progress. And so we were making progress on the house and we needed to eat uh, and and we're driving. We needed something quick uh, and it's rare, but sometimes she'll just go, I don't care, you choose. Which is a loaded statement, usually, because she knows that's going to be Panda Express, Payways, or P.F. Chang's, depending on the budget or how many gift cards I have. Uh, And she said, no Asian food. So I said, okay, we need something quick. And anytime, uh, normally, I would never go to this place, because I know it's not good. Uh, It's just not. I've, I've rarely had a good experience. But when you're on a trip to summer camp or a mission trip, you're like, let's give Burger King a try. It, it, it says it's the king of all burgers. And so we go to the one off 518 uh, and immediately regretted it. But we're in there. Uh, it took a while to order. And she just ordered a kid's meal. You didn't think it was that bad. Uh, and so we sit down. And, and most fast food restaurants don't have a TV. But there was a TV like right here. And we're just hearing, we're hearing gunfire and heavy breathing. And there's a terrorist thing going on. And it's really loud and awkward. And we're the only ones in there. We should have known. Uh, and we're sitting there, and we're already pot committed, we've already paid, uh, and then like the ceiling starts dripping beside her. This is a new restaurant, mind you. It was, it was just bad. It was not where we wanted to be. Uh, we were stuck there, and it was all our own fault. And that's where we left Jonah last week, right? Right? Like God called Jonah to be his messenger to an enemy nation. Uh, And he said, I want you to go to the capital. I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, nope, I'm I'm not going to go. We find out in chapter four, spoiler alert, that he knew God was gracious and he didn't want them to get grace. And so he decides to get on a boat and go the opposite direction. And when things go south real quick, They ask him where you're from. If you remember, he says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God who made the land and the sea. And oh, by the way, my plan uh, to evade and escape the God who made the sea is to get on a boat. Uh, So they already know this guy uh, is not really smart. So what does God do? He brings a storm uh, and and they're like, what's going to make this stop since your God is the real God? And he says, well, throw me overboard uh, and the storm will stop. This could have been Jonah's most selfish move yet. He would rather die in the sea than Ninevites get God's mercy. Uh, And so he's sitting there, he's almost dying, and God says, no, uh, you're not going to get a swift drowning death. I'm going to change your plans. And God sends a big fish or a whale, grabs him, uh, and God's plan uh, pursues. Uh, and, And then you look at, if you look in your Bible, if you've got a nice Bible, look at the title of chapter two. This is what any of us would do if we had just got thrown overboard and swallowed by a big fish. It's not a shocker that Jonah prays. Uh, And so you get a little Hebrew poetry here. It looks a little different, uh, but it is a prayer as, as Jonah is in a really tough spot of his own 
doing. And so let's see what he prays. And, and just, just a warning, um, be careful to be real hard on Jonah because we might look a whole lot like him, but I, I, I digress. Here we go. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it said, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. That's huge. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. All the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. And I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. That's huge. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I wish we had a picture of that. Uh, so Jonah's in a tough spot. He's running from God. I'm not going to assume anybody in here has done that. Uh, we're very spiritual here. It's very, it's Sunday morning, right? Uh, and, and in the middle of his mess, in the middle of between just a hard place and a hard place, I imagine, maybe soft, but it's squeezing him. He cries out to God. And did you see what he said? Look at the pronouns there. Look in verse uh, 2. I, cut, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. We, uh, we got third person here. Uh, out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. So he's running from God. He's in abject rebellion, and he cries out to God. Don't miss it. God heard him, and he answered. God heard the prayers of the runner, and he answered. And so when we're in those moments, whether it's a hard thing, a tragic thing, whether we chose it or it came upon us, uh, why do we cry out to God? Because he's the only one that can help. And don't miss it. God still hears your prayers when you are running. He still hears your prayers when you are running. There's not a parent in the room who hasn't had a child in a season of rebellion and wouldn't jump at the chance if they turned to listen and to hear. That's, that's the God we have. He hears your prayers. Let's pick it up in verse 3. And remember, this is his prayer. This is kind of poetry. So see what, what he's doing with these words. You cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Like the reality of God's judgment on Jonah's rebellion, he's, he's feeling it. Notice what he said, you cast me out. 
Like he's even recognizing that what the sailors did was God's will. He's recognizing it's God's judgment. He's, maybe the sea hasn't come down yet and he's sitting out there. He's feeling the waves. He's feeling the weight of his sin and his running. And look at his response. Look at verse 4. And I think this is many of us sometimes. He said, then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Like how many of us, when God disciplines us or he purposely places us in a hard place, either because of our sin or to learn something, our initial response is, God is done with me. Like how many of us have responded that way to a spouse, to a friend, to a parent. I remember, uh, again, back in my unhealthier days, we were in the line at McDonald's uh, with my kids. They were young, and uh, my oldest, Ethan, was complaining either about the free toy that was so great and precious that they leave it in the truck afterwards, um, and worrying about that, or arguing with his brother. And it had been going on all morning, and I finally said, stop it. Like, I'm done with you. I'm done. I'm done. Let's just get our food. We're going to go. And not 10 seconds later, I look back and he's just weeping. It hit me. (laughs) I'm like, Bubba, what? (laughs) I probably didn't say it as great. I was like, what is the matter? (laughs) And I'm sure that helped. And he's like, you you said you were done with me. You're not going to love me. You're not going to be my dad anymore. Oh, it broke my heart. And I thought, No, I like, stop it. Like I meant done with you for today, like right now. (laughs) I'm still your dad. Like this was so extreme. Uh, uh, But it, 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 it hit me though. And fun fact, dad's in the room. Your kids hear what you say, especially if you got a little girl. My wife can remember what her dad said when she was like four years old. Guard, guard your mouth. That's free. It's not even in, in the sermon. Uh, and so I, I let him know, I'm your dad. Yes, I'm upset with you right now. It was righteous anger in my mind uh, for how he was acting. But I'll always love you. I'm never done with you. I'm not. And so uh, look, at, look at Jonah. So his initial response is, God, you've cast me away. You're done with me. Look at the hope. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. So his initial response was despair, yet he has hope. Just like the other, the, the other minor and major prophets, just like the writer of the Psalms, there's always this thread of hope that sits under everything. And we see Jesus do the same thing. He goes to the Psalms in his time of suffering. So whatever your opinion of Jonah, it looks like he knows his Old Testament. He knows the Psalms because he keeps quoting and alluding to them here. Uh, Pick up in verse 5. This is kind of a repeat of 4, 3 and 4. He says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. So again, he's repeating, God's judgment is on me. Can you feel the fish around him? Maybe he even feels the fish going down. I don't know where the roots of the mountains are, but I don't want to go there not under the water. Uh, Seaweed is sticking to him like it's not a good place. And yet again, what does he say? Yet I have hope. He remembers 
the Lord and his character, and he prays. And again, he prays because God's not this far off, distant being who made the earth, set it spinning, and then said, you're on your own. No, God was near. No one's too far from grace. Not your enemy, who we usually think of first, and not you or me, who we usually forget we're enemies before Christ. God's not done with you. God's not done with you. If you've been to one of the missional pathways, that was one of my blue sticky notes uh, that God taught me in a really, really hard season of marriage and life. He said that. And he says it to Jonah. He's not done with you. And he says it to you. Let's see his response. Look at verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So here's Jonah's response And it turns out when you're in a hard place, when you feel like I'm actually about to die, not I'm really hungry, I'm about to die. No, I'm actually about to die. Your priorities change, don't they? Your perspective changes, doesn't it? Things that used to matter don't really matter. And Jonah is pointing out the folly of chasing idols. Not only do they not hear you because they're just pieces of wood or stone, maybe they have some nice silver around it, uh, But he says another thing, when you worship those, you're forsaking something even better. You're forsaking God's mercy and love. And I can tell by just your faces that you think, yeah, those idol worshipers. Uh, We usually think of idol worshipers as third world countries and you're burning incense to a statue. Uh, But let me give you a couple examples. And I I drew these names at random. So if this is your name, I'm not talking to you unless that's the Holy Spirit uh, and he wanted to. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a guy named Jay. We'll call him Jay Friendswood. Uh, He lives in Friendswood. He's in his late 30s. He's married. He's got three kids. Uh, and he is going after the God of money to find security and meeting. I know, it's like, well, who does that? Uh, he works really hard to move up the ladder at work. He knows he has to leverage and forego time with his wife and kids so that he can do that, and he's willing to do that. Uh, and he tells himself, he assures himself that one day, uh, once he has arrived, he's going to cut back. And he's saying, I'm doing this all for my family. Uh, Fun fact, no one lies to you more than you. That's not in the text. That's just for free. All right? And so uh, you know this. Jay never arrives. uh, And tomorrow, the day after Father's Day, he's going to be watching SportsCenter alone because his family left him years ago uh, because of his relentless pursuit of the God of money. The sacrifice was costly. Money can be gone in an instant. And sadly, Jay never experienced the peace, security, and meaning he was hoping to get all along. So ladies, not to leave you out, let's go with Jill. Uh, Jill Pearland, that's who she is. She's single, she's in her 20s, and she's still in school. She's going to U of H Clear Lake Pearland campus. She's she's loving life, uh, and she craves the attention of the God of love and acceptance. It's a well-known God. Um, and we like this, and to worship this God of love and acceptance, Jill is willing to do whatever it takes for boys and even girls 
uh, to accept her and to like her. So she begins to compromise her purity and her holiness in her relationships in order to gain these things. And even though she knows she's going in a direction contrary to what God has for her, she tells herself, God wants me to be happy. And she continues down the path that, as you can guess, never leads to happiness, never leads to love, acceptance, and value, the things she was wanting. Maybe you know someone like these two people. Maybe you have been this person or persons. The reality is the things they were chasing were not bad. Like meaning, value, security, love, like those are really good things. Where it went wrong was they went to the wrong place for those. And that's really what idolatry is, isn't it? You're going to other places and other people for things you were meant to go to God for. That's that's what Jonah is saying. He's saying if you pursue these idols, it's foolish. And the flip side is you're turning your back on God's mercy and steadfast love. So when you pray like that, when you want to go your own way and you're like, God, I know you say go right, but I really want to go left. That's where joy is found. Uh, Not only are you saying, hey, God, I'm smarter than you. I I know where to go. Um, You're missing out on the ultimate joy he's trying to lead you to. And again, I know you've heard it from me before, but this is where a correct God narrative matters. Like that God is all good. He's all loving. He loves you perfectly. That means you can trust him. He's not withholding joy or some great thing out there from you. He wouldn't do that. He's a good dad. And now Jonah has a better perspective. He sees his pride and self-will where it's landed him. And it looks like he repents, at least for now. We'll we'll follow that up next week to see how genuine it was. Uh, But he acknowledges God's justice and he, he gets a taste of the judgment he was really hoping the Ninevites got which that doesn't always taste good. Uh, And he makes some vows to God. Uh, And in the Psalms, prayers were commonly followed by vows. Uh, And haven't we done that before? Like when you're in a tough spot, how many of us start making promises to God? God, I'll be your best friend. Uh, God, I'll go to church six, five times in a row. Uh, And it's gonna be great if you'll just help me with this. And usually it's just an attempt to manipulate God with things he doesn't need. Because, by the way, God doesn't need anything. He wants you. He loves you. But he doesn't need our worship. And a lot of times we pray those things and then we get angry. We, get, we feel betrayed that God didn't give us something he never promised. Right? Like, God fix my marriage. God Let me get that promotion or that job. God, let me get into that college I really want to get into. And if you operate that way, think about that. Like, God, I'm for you. I'm with you as long as you want what I want. But as soon as your plan goes different from what I want, I'm out. What that reveals is you want God's stuff more than you want him. Which again, the Bible calls that idolatry. And don't hear me wrong. There's nothing wrong with a healed marriage. God can fix any marriage. Just throwing that out there. Yes. And and giving you a job to provide for you so that he could provide for your family through that and you could be generous and a blessing to others. Those are not bad things. Again, do do you love God 
or do you love his stuff? One is worship, one is worship of an idol. Because uh, Jesus is better. And so Jonah acknowledges at the end there, if you notice, he said, salvation doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from the government. It doesn't come from all these other things. What does he say? He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your only hope of rescue is the Lord. It's your only hope. We just sang that, right? Like our living hope. He's our only hope. The rescue from you who are running from you who are in a tough spot, for you that you just realized you're worshiping an idol, and from some of you even rescue you from your success that'll lead to hopelessness because, again, you're putting your hope in the wrong thing. Now, for the smart ones in the room, I do realize Jonah never actually says he's sorry, if you check that out in there. Uh, but he does give thanks for, to God for not abandoning him um, and acknowledging that his only hope is the Lord. Salvation is the Lord. Uh, and then, I love this verse, because if you're, if you're always wondering, like, how do, how do you find love when you feel like puke? Right here. Um, and the Lord spoke to the fish and had vomited Jonah out on dry land. And so, he's real with God. He says, God, I, acknowledge, I get it. I get it. I, I, he finally got to the end of himself, and God says, okay, maybe you'll listen now. Spoiler alert, chapter three. Uh, and, and the whale spits him out on the sea. And we're not gonna look at Jonah's response today because that's not really the point. It's, it's actually not even the point of the, the book of Jonah. The, the book is actually messing with you and with me. And so here's a question. Are you running from what God has called you to do? Like has, has God spoken to you clearly Six days ago, six years ago, and you've been running. Like maybe some of you are in a desert, not because God's trying to teach you that, but it's because he said, go right, and you went left, and you walked out, and you're wondering, why is my faith dry? Why am I not experiencing the Holy Spirit like I read about, and all these people that are going to missional pathway, and they're, they're loving their neighbors, and they're loving the, those outside these walls. Why don't I experience that? Well, joy follows obedience. Like, jump in, jump in there. Like, are you, are you running from who God has called you to be? Like, we know, no one has to tell us, hey, this is sin, this is wrong. We know deep down. Um, I've got a pic to show you. This is from Haley, our, our associate student minister. She threw this up uh, one time speaking to our youth, and I loved it. Uh, is this you? This is a meme that went around for a long time. This is a dog. As you can see, his whole room is on fire. And if you see the caption, he's just sipping coffee saying, this is fine. Like, is, is that you? Are you in a whale? Is your marriage burning down? Is your life burning down? Are there addictions? Are there strongholds? And you're pretending to everybody else like it's all okay. Everything's fine. How will you respond to God's call of repentance? That's what he's calling us to. He's saying, quit. <laughs> like, everything's on fire. Why, why don't you go to the water? <laughs> I mean, really, I, I've always asked that about people who are not plugged into biblical community. They'll come to church, but they won't belong. And they live this far away from people so nobody sees what's going on. And they miss out. They, they've turned their back on God's mercy and steadfast love. 
It is one of the most loving things to have a friend who loves you enough uh, to slap you around a little bit and say, wait, why are you talking to your wife that way? Wait, why, what, how are you this week? Or were you a godly dad this week? Did you, did you love your kids well this week? Did you guard your eyes this week? How are we doing with that greed thing? I know we talked about that a week ago. Like someone that loves you enough to help lead you to repentance. And so how will you respond? Because Jesus is your only hope of rescue. Turn and follow him. He's your only hope. So just a few questions for you and then, and then we'll, we'll close out. Are you currently in a season of rebellion and not sure how to break free? Like, are you running from God? And you know it. And maybe, every, maybe you keep a good face on here at church where sadly in America, sometimes it can be a really, really pretty place and you think everybody's got it all together and they don't. Just go on a spiritual retreat with them. Get in a small group. You'll see every single one. We just did last week with students and some of the things they were saying was, I couldn't believe it. Did you know that there's other people in here that struggle with anxiety? Yes, yes, we talk to you, we deal with you. What, what, Some, someone's dealing with depression, someone is struggling in their faith, like, it's true, like, that's all of us, you don't have to run. And, and so here's the deal, you don't have to stay there, like, if you're running, if you're stuck, if you're in a whale and you realized it just now, just repent, like, you don't have to stay there, you're not stuck, and one of the things I tell students is, is confession is common, but repentance is rare. And the reason I say that is because it can be easy, even in a small group, or when you get comfortable with a group, to confess and be like, hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Man, I feel really good. Bless the Lord. I don't have any intention of changing, but bless the Lord. I feel better getting that off my chest, and that's not what we're going for. And I, I feel like sometimes I experience people don't, Repent because they don't call things what they are. Instead of calling things sin, we call them other things and we, we kind of lessen the blow. I'll give you an example. I was in a biblical counseling class and my professor, he's been doing uh, counseling for over two and a half decades. Uh, and he shared with me, there was a youth pastor that came to him and his wife that was struggling with what he was looking at. Uh, on the computer screen, on his phone. And so he came and, and he's sitting there talking with him and he's like, well, describe this to me. Uh, what's going on? And, and he was like, you know, it's, it's like an addiction. It's like a, it's got like a noose around my neck and it's, it's strangling me. It's got this chokehold on me and I can't get free. And, and that's how he described. So he asked him again, okay, give me some more detail. Well, it's like this, ah, it's, it's got a hold on me. And then he's thinking, okay, maybe the wife will help. Wife, what would you describe um, him looking at things he should not on his phone and computer? And she's like, well, it's like what he says. It's like a noose around his neck. It's, like, it's really chokehold. And, and so he thinks this will get him. Okay, if God were behind you and looking over your shoulder and watching what you were watching, what would he call it? And he never could get there. And he finally said, hey, You've had no hope all this time. Like, you need to call it what it is. It's sin. What you're dealing with is sin. You can call it all these other things, but it's sin. And so the guy and his wife get mad. They leave. Um, they come back the next week. 
And a different guy walks in and he said, I was mad at you last week for what you said. I'd been talking to other people, praying with other people. I'd gone in all these different places for hope, but nobody told me what you told me. He said, when it was an addiction, when it was a chokehold, there was no hope. But when you called it sin, Jesus beat sin. Like he defeated sin forever. There's hope there. And so maybe you need to call something you've been calling something else. You need to call it what it is because there's hope. Jesus beats sin. Secondly, have you blown it and assumed God has driven you away? Have you blown it with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, with your neighbor, with your spouse, with your boss, with one of your pastors, one of your shepherds here? You just blew it. And you're like, I would be done with me. I'm kind of done with me. God must be done with me. Hear the word of the Lord today. God's not done with you. He's not Paul said that in other words where he said, I'm the chief of sinners. I don't know what you've done, but I've murdered people. Uh, and if there's grace for me, there's grace for you. God's not done with you. Your story is not over. No matter what you say, well, Matt, you don't know my story. You don't know the, the, the destruction, the choices I've made. Whether you're a victim or a chooser, if you saw how Jesus, he gave grace to everybody. God's not done with you. And finally, one of the things that the prophets would do, one of the things that really the whole Bible does is it points to Jesus. So whenever you're reading, always asking yourself, where's Jesus in the text? I want you to know that Jesus is a better prophet. He's a better prophet that was obedient to the Father's will. And he did bring the good news to his enemies, by the way. That's you, that's me. He did spend three days and three nights in a tomb kind of like that, uh, for our rebellion, not his. And Jesus' death experience gave way to life to all who follow him. Like if you agree with God about your sin and you repent or turn from your sins and you follow Jesus, you trust him, he says he makes you new through Jesus. That's why it's called the good news and not the good advice. Good advice is something you do. Good news is something that's been done for you. Receive that today because Jesus is your only hope of rescue. Turn and follow him.